Hi there. Happy Thursday. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Tempo Report. My first of the year. Hope everyone had a great holiday, no matter how you celebrate. I've always been interested in music, even from a young age, as young as four years old. One of the very first musicians I was into was Fred Penner. I was super excited to get the chance to chat with him. We cover everything from his TV show, Fred Penner's Place, educating kids through the power of music, and storytelling. Hope you enjoy. Um, so can you just start off by telling my audience who you are and what is it you do? Okay. Good day, good people. Fred Penner is my name. I'm an entertainer, have been a performer for multiple decades, about 40 plus years. And much of my work has been with families, with children through a TV series on CBC that I did called Fred Penner's Place. And the rest of my life has been touring uh, all over North America for all these years, playing festivals, soft seat concerts, and, and of course, creating uh, multiple CDs. I have 13 CDs on the market and uh, four Juno Awards to my credit. So I, I've been in this business for a while. How did you come up with the idea for uh, Fred Penner's Place? Um, I, I had no intention of, of doing television. No, I, I, it was not part of my long-range game plan. And uh, after, after touring in the early 80s for uh, a number of years across the, across the country, playing festivals and, and concerts, uh, and CBC, unbeknownst to me, had been watching me in performance. And they were looking for a new, a new performer, a new somebody to basically take over from a fellow by the name of the Friendly Giant, who was uh, another children's TV show on CBC. So they they called me, asked if I wanted to do a series. I said, sure, but what, what do you want from me? Because they had no ideas beforehand. So they put it into my lap. And uh, and I did my soul searching, as, as I do whenever I'm creating. And I started thinking of what is it I would like to present to a young audience, and the and the idea uh, started evolving for me of 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 getting to this hollow log that that became the entrance place to Fred Penner's place, and uh, and and making it a very organic kind of atmosphere. It wasn't just a door that you knock knock and come on in. It was all about creating a space that had a sense of comfort and security for the for the viewer um so so the idea of fred penner's place was was mine so you know certainly many of the elements came from other uh other contributors to the series but it was uh it was a very interesting process that, that allowed me to to uh come up with with that idea yeah fred penner's place was it helped shape very much of my um childhood i I grew up on it, and I just wondered, um, 
how did you make the show so engaging for uh, young kids? Um, well, that, that's a good question. I don't know how that all happened. I mean, c- certainly creating the atmosphere that, that was interesting to, uh, to look at. And also when, when we started the program and crawling through a log, that's an interesting concept. Going to my guitar cave where I kept my, kept my guitar, that's an interesting concept. So always trying to find something that would bring the audience closer into what was happening. So if I was, if I was going to be telling a story, I would, I would find some items that would lead into the, 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 the storytelling. We had a number of, uh, of puppet characters that were part of it too. So it, it's when working with children, when working with Eddie on it, it's truly, but specifically with children, it's, it's all about, all about the energy, about staying focused, about looking at the, at the camera, imagining one child sitting in front of that camera, not that the, uh, that CBC camera went to, you know, thousands and thousands of families across the country. But when I approached the camera, I would think of it in my mind as if I was looking at one child. So that made my interaction with the camera much more intimate. And, uh, and for me, do, doing that made, made me feel very comfortable. It felt like I was actually communicating something with the audience. And that, uh, and that seems to be what happened from responses that I've received from, uh, from fans over the years. That, that How I approached it seemed to get inside of them, and it worked very well. How did you come up with the concept for like um, puppets like Wordbird and uh, Nikki? Uh, the the word bird was uh, was not my concept. That was from a one of the first writers on Fred Penner's place. Her name was Pat Patterson, and she had been writing for children's television for for many many years. And uh, and then we we started talking and uh, about what elements would make sense coming into the in, into the show. Um, the the idea to to develop some puppet characters came through mutual communication with some writers and with and with CBC because they they wanted to have that element. Um, so it it was it was a, a collaborative uh, affair as far as creating the puppet characters were concerned. But but Pat wanting to have a, a, a literacy p- component to the series came up with the uh, the alliteration of word bird, and uh, and the bird would send down an appropriate appropriate word for the day that I would turn into into a story or a song and we would just play with that and I've I know a lot of people who watched the series over the years um, people whose English uh, was their second language you know said that they they learned uh, a lot of their their English from watching Fred Penner's place which was a very interesting uh, interesting way to to realize that I was making a difference in the literacy of an audience you definitely made you definitely left an effect on me. It's something that I used to used to watch every day from a young age. Um, mm-hmm. I actually first uh, saw you live back in '96 when I was about four years old, <laughs> and from that point from that point on, I I was 
quite engaged with your music. It's had quite the lasting um, effect on me. Mm. I'm happy to know that. That was uh, you. You were you were a young, impressionable child in 1996, and 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 to know that my my music did connect with you, and you were able to take it in and. And uh, and and enjoy some of the rhythms and and uh, parts of the song and certainly the lyrics, and uh, uh, whatever whatever I brought to the table, I'm really pleased that it it did connect with you, Spencer. Thank you very much for that. How do you come up with um, lyrics for songs? Um, usually, when I'm when I'm writing, the the lyric is is before the melody. Uh, with with a lot of the with a lot of the songs that I was that I was doing on the series, I wrote for Fred Penner's place specifically. I wrote songs for specific episodes. So so when from a creative process, when when I when I know that the here is here is a plot line, here is a storyline that one of the writers has presented to me. Uh, my my job now is to try and turn parts of that into into uh, the musical component. So I my process is I I find a quiet place, I sit down and I start and I start brainstorming over what this particular con- concept is all about, and and I, I write down phrases or words or just something that that has a flow to it that seems musical. That, uh, that that works for me, and then then I start putting a verse together, or maybe it's a chorus together, and uh, and once I've written some pieces down, then then I I go back and I edit it almost immediately. I I look through and say, well, this doesn't this doesn't feel. I I, I eliminate words that don't have to be there. Sometimes uh, the articles like a the or and or it or but. Those don't necessarily have to make a difference in the creation of the song, so I eliminate those, which makes it makes it flow better. So it's basically all of the skills of songwriting come into play, regardless of whether you're writing for an adult audience or a younger audience. Uh, so I would play with with lyric, I would play with song, and then after the lyrics seem to be tight, then I would put a rhythm to it, and and come up with. Um, and come up with a chord progression to follow. How important is storytelling to you in um, in your songs? When I was growing up, uh, we we didn't have television in the in the beginning. Yes, I'm that old, Spencer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and so we we had we had radio, and I had. Uh, what was called, and you probably don't even know this word, but it was called a crystal set, and it was uh, it was a little a little tiny uh, radio basically, and uh, and there were programs that I would tune into on on stations in Winnipeg where I grew up, and and they would have uh, storytellers on on this radio program often on a Sunday or Saturday morning. You know, instead of cartoons, I would listen to these stories, and uh, and there were really some beautiful characters, beautiful story storytellers in that that generation. So I grew up basically listening to all these all these stories, and then uh, as as I grew into my own creative world, I thought, well, I I 
how much I appreciated hearing hearing stories and and singing songs that had a story component to them. That's a way of drawing an audience in even uh, even more more deeply than you know than just by singing a song and not just the rhythm. But you start hearing the words and you're hearing the concepts and you start feeling where this performer is taking this uh, this story thread. Um, so I, I've always been been very much a storyteller as as much as a musician. I think, you know, I, I've managed to combine the two, but but that's where it all began in my in my youth, where I I would hear performers doing that, and I really wanted to emulate it. How did you make the transition from your band Cornstalk to doing kids music? Oddly enough, the, the the band was was not that far from what I ended up doing uh, in in you know in family entertainment with children. Uh, the the kind of music that we, we were doing in that band was uh, was was very uh, very up tempo. It was very engaging. There were lots of choruses for an audience to sing, which is essentially what what I what I do when when I share a song with an audience. Nine times out of ten, there are phrases, part of a chorus, uh, rhythms that the audience would engage with. So Cornstalk was really a training ground for me to uh, to develop skills that I would ultimately bring forward into into working with with the larger uh, families and, and younger audiences. So corn, it it was not a it was not a big transition for me to go from Cornstalk. To uh, to the career I settled on. Am I like correct in assuming that Cornstalk was like a comedy trio? It, it was we we built ourselves as a comedy show band. Uh, we did a lot of a lot of improv, a lot of there, there was lots of comedy in the show. There was there was lots of very a very interesting and quirky styles of music, but we were essentially a a comedy show band. And 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 we played with the audience, and uh, and 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 that just just drew them in even even deeper to our performances. It was uh, it was a very engaging group. Our live show was uh, uh, was was very exciting. People people loved to to see how how bizarre our our directions would go, and uh, and and it it really connected with with audiences across the country. And you know, for four years we. We traveled from mainly central Canada, from uh, Alberta to Ontario. We never got to the coasts, but uh, but boy, we, we sure covered a lot of ground and and uh, made some some beautiful links with a lot of people. That's for sure. What do you enjoy most about playing live? Yeah, well, it, it's always the 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 spontaneity again. You know, when I'm when I'm with an audience, you never know what's going to happen. Um, it, it, it's like every performance is a brand new opportunity for me to share my music and my ideas with, with a new audience. That, that combination of people has never been together before. So, so I, I, I see every, every show that, that I do is, is, a, is a whole new template. It's like, like an artist with a, you know, with a, with a, a, a bare piece of paper in front of him, you know, that, that he's going to draw on or, or write on. When I'm on a stage, 
it's you know I I know all my material and I can change directions in a blink depending on where the audience is going. So we we get a good beginning, we get a good ending, and the middle takes care of itself and watching the audience's reactions and seeing seeing the children in, in the course of a, of a performance, they start coming forward and pretty soon I've got a mosh pit instead of in front of the stage. And it's it's very uh, it's very exciting to feel that energy building in the audience. So that's that's really one of my my f- most favorite parts of performing is because we are sharing something that is is uh, is is very emotional that is very powerful uh, that that we all will remember for for years to come. Do you feel that um, music's Somewhat of a universal language. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, that's it is the the most universal language because every every culture has got different musical patterns, and and even if you don't know the language, the the, the verbal language, you can hear the rhythms. You can you can discover what the patterns are. You you can uh, you can grow and learn through through different cultures because of their music. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a big frustration for me, Spencer, because music, I I know how truly valuable it is in in uh, in my life and in the lives of my audiences, surely. And be, because so often in schools, music is one of those things that they see as an extracurricular activity, and often if they don't have funding for a music teacher or whatever. They'll they'll cancel. They'll 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 cut cut the budget, and and music will be one of the things that that is uh, is taken out of the curriculum, and that is such a so wrong to do that because music is 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 one thing where where a child can learn something about themselves, can learn about mathematics because because music is all about counting and rhythms. Uh, can learn about history because the music has stories that it can tell. Um, it, it really is, in so many ways, truly the universal language. On your new album, you've done a couple of songs in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I, I did did one song in Spanish called La Vida, which means life, the life. And uh, I, I wrote that... M- Quite a few years ago, I was playing in Calgary. I was doing some school performances, and uh, I did not know this before, but Calgary has a very strong Spanish population, and uh, and because of that, there are there are Spanish immersion schools in uh, in Calgary. So when I was doing this performance, or found out about about this that there that Spanish was a strong. Um, language and some of the teachers were asking me if I knew any Spanish songs, and I and I do know a few a few Spanish tunes, but I I thought well I this is a special event I'm going to see if I can write something in Spanish, and uh, you know because I I have have a good uh, a good awareness of of uh, of Spanish and French French and and other Latin based languages including English, so I I just started playing with the words and then I. I asked some friends who speak the language to help me make sure that my my grammar is correct and the way the phrasing is correct. And so La Vida came on, and uh, and and a dear friend Alex Cuba, 
um, came on board to uh, to sing that song with me. So it was, it became a really really lovely tune to put into the put into my mix on hear the music. It's funny how music and like language just come together full circle sometimes. <laughs> uh, absolutely, you know, and and you never know exactly how that's going to happen. But but by by putting it out, by doing your best to to create something that that feels good for you, then uh, the, inevitably there are others in the audience and and and, and in the in musical world in general who will find something that, that they connect can connect with in the song, and then it then it just builds momentum, and, you know, gets some legs and gets some airplay and the rest of that. Is Levita the single off hear the music i i never i never really have singles because i the the album does not get any uh, any airplay and normally you know if you're looking at an fm or an am radio station uh they that's the way that's approached often you know you 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 have it put on an album and one of the songs becomes the single for that it doesn't work the same way with uh, with with family entertainment so, um, oh. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I mean, the, the the signature song, the or the main song of the album here, hear the music is, is sort of the, um, the 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 base of the album and, and all of the other songs just just follow their own path. Yeah, interesting. I never really thought about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's changed over the years. That's for sure. One thing I noticed about this uh, recent album is you've used more like folk inspired songs i've i've always been a, a folk a folky you know i'm i'm from the i'm from the 60s i know i was i was born in 1946 i know and, and i grew up through the through the hippie era of the uh, of the 60s and uh and, and that was you know the the folk scene was very very strong back back then and so i i Think of myself in, in those terms as a folk performer, um, and so the so so the music that I, that I do uh, and have done from from the beginning, I think always had a you know however you define folk music. I mean, folk music really is is music for the people. That's the essence of the uh, you know of 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 the folk style. So I I did music for for the people and. And uh, and and hear the music um, was produced Ken Wesley, who's been a, a dear friend for many many years, and he he produced probably half a dozen half a dozen of my thirteen albums, and and Ken is a is a is a, a, a blues gospel folk master, so uh, so so musically the album took took on uh, components that fit. His style as well, you know. When when you get a producer, they they bring their own their own energy to the uh, to the performances. So it was uh, it 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 fit to to do that that style of music for uh, certainly for me. It definitely created an introduction to that genre of music for me, and um, oh, good. It was good to see that you're still sticking to your roots so to speak sure how did you connect up with uh 
Tara Lightfoot for Hear the Music. Dear Tara, she's such a sweetheart. Um, we met, well, the, the many of the performers who, who were on the Hear the Music album, including Good Lovelies and Alex Cuba, Alex Cuba and Ron Sexsmith and Basha Bulat and Tara Lightfoot, those are all people who, who knew me from Fred Penner's place, from my series. So um, when I was looking to have some of these iconic performers come on come on board with me, you know, I, I'd met many of them at, uh, at at festivals, folk festivals across the country, and uh, and so when when it came time to try and expand uh, the the people who did participate on the album, you know, we we contacted many, many performers and saying, you know, Fred Penner is doing this album. Would you be interested? Would you be interested? And and every everybody we approached was more than delighted to be to be part of the uh, part of the project. So it, it it didn't take any arm twisting to get Tara on board. And and, and we've we've hung out at uh, festivals along the way. She and my wife are uh, you know had become really good friends along the way as well. So it it, it was. Uh, it was just a perfect connection with with all of those performers and and particularly Tara because she's just a, a very very beautiful and and uh, powerful musical force in this country. Yeah, I was ex- I was excited to find out that <laughs> she was on the album. Mm, good. So this year's the 40th anniversary of the Cat Came Back. Am I correct? Am I correct? That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well. It's actually one of the songs that, you know, I grew up with. What's the story behind that song? It's actually a very old song. It was written in 1893. And, uh, and I, I found the song in a, in a folk song book that I was, uh, that I was playing with once upon a time. And, uh, and I, I love the chord progression. It's, it's a very beautiful circular, circular pattern. And and I and I like the the excitement of the story because this was uh, in a way when we talked before about about storytelling in music. Here's a story about about the invincible cat and all these terrible things would happen to it, and it would still come back. So it, it the kind of story that would really engage the audience, and that's what it did back you know over over 150 years ago. Or, or about you know, about 130, I guess now, and uh, and that that kind of audio or that kind of storytelling is engaging because it it leaves you, it sort of leaves you hanging for a moment because the you know the things happen and and you think there's no way the cat's going to come back from from this particular thing, and then it's but you know the cat came back the very next day, um, so when I found the song. Many of the verses were were uh, original verses were were just a little a little more violent than I necessarily wanted. So I've I've rewritten most of the verses that I do now are original verses, but the song itself is uh, is very old. Interesting. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like half original and half like a cover. Yes, correct. Would you consider yourself? Um, Somewhat of a Canadian icon. <laughs> um, that's that's not for me to say. 
you know, as as my wife points out, um, what what people think about me in uh, in many ways is none of my business, Be, because I'm I'm not doing this for I'm not doing this for notoriety. I'm not doing this to to I'm not doing this to be famous. I'm not doing this in the hopes that 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 people, you know, uh, th- think of me in those terms. I'm doing this because it because it feels like the right thing for me to do because I have I have an ability, I have uh, a style, I have a skill, you know, in 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 music and in songwriting. So I I do that to to the best of my ability. I put it into the world, and once I've recorded something and sent sent it out there. It's up to the audience to decide, you know, what they what they think of that. But but as far as you know, as being a Canadian icon, um, that's as I said, that that's that's none of my business. It's uh, it certainly has given me lots of feedback along the way, you know, and I've received uh, several honorary doctorates. Uh, the, uni- the, uh, the the government has given me the Order of Canada. The, the Manitoba the province of Manitoba, I had the Order of Manitoba. So, so as I built my 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 career and popularity, different organizations see see that as something important. So they they want to recognize that. So so I've received lots of awards. I'm I'm looking at my my Western Canadian Music Awards and my Juno Awards that are surrounding me here at my home. Um, so a lot of of lo- a lot of uh, feedback has come to me over the years, but as I said in the beginning, it's this is not why I do this in any way. Fair enough. I just uh, I just asked that because, I mean, like I like I've said before throughout this conversation, you've had a lasting effect on my growing up as a child, and you know I've been listening to you since I was four. And this is this has just been great. Just the lasting effect you've had on my life, I guess. I, I, I appreciate that, Spencer. That, that's very kind of you to say that. It's uh, it, it is it's gratifying to know. And and I I mean I love receiving uh, e- emails from from uh, from people from from the past and present. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of feedback from. From young young adults like yourself who did grow up on on Fred Penner's place and and listened to my music and uh, and and have come back as they you know as they they reach their 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 adulthood, looking back on the influences that were part of their their life, and uh, and and I'm just very gratified that that so many people have felt that I I had a position or a point. Of, uh, of really important contact in their in their development, and that's and that's sort of the, the best the best compliment that I could possibly imagine. So, thank you very much, Spencer. I really appreciate that. You're re- you're very you're very welcome. I guess one last uh, question here. Um, mm-hmm. Where did you get the idea to start touring the uh, university circuit? Um, after Fred Penner's place ended in 1997, after doing, you know, uh, almost a thousand episodes over 13 years, that was, you know, a huge part of my, of my life career. 
And when that stopped, uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing, you know, after that, whether, whether this was a signal uh, that, that my career was starting to, to change or, uh, or, or, or just stop, you know, who, who knew where it was going to go because the audience that I had worked with were now, you know, we're now moving into their, their own lives of, you know, of, of, of becoming parents and, and uh, getting careers going. And then, uh, th- then one day uh, I, I'd heard that Mr. Dressup, who was a, f- a friend of mine, he was going to the universities and he was playing like a lunch hour, you know, and, and while well, kids, kids in campuses across the country were, were taking their lunch breaks, he, he'd set up on stage and he would, he would talk and he would sing some songs. And, and I thought, oh, that's, well, that's interesting, you know, that, that he, he is, has the longevity to go to a university to, to continue connecting with the audience. And, uh, and so I, I talked to my agency, the, the, the booking agency out of Winnipeg that I work with called Pacan Entertainment, and they book shows for, for universities. So I, I said, said to them, well, what do you think about me doing universities? And they said, well, we'll, we'll find out. And they went to the, to the buyers, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the different people in universities who, who do the actual buying of bands for their, for their audience, for the university students. And at first these buyers were saying, Fred Penner coming to university. What, what are you talking about? That's not going to work. And so, so they talked to the, uh, talked to the, the student union and said, what do you think about, about Fred Penner coming? And people went nuts, says, yeah, of course, that'd be great. And so I started playing the first, first gig actually was in Vancouver at the, the pit pub at UBC, if you know that spot. And, yeah. Uh, oh, you've, you've, hung out, you, you've hung out there. Have you Spencer? Uh, no, I, I just hung out at UBC a lot. I used to do, um, a radio show at UBC. So. Oh, nice. Good for you. I've spent a lot of time there. I haven't specifically been to the pub, but, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, so playing, playing the pit pub with, there there was 300 or so people jammed into it. It was wall to wall people. And I thought this this is really interesting to, to basically following my audience into their university days, and uh, and and it it just it just gave me such a sense of uh, of of vitality, knowing that my audience was still there, and that they were uh, that they were still interested in connecting with me, you know, through through the through the pubs. You know, you throw in a little bit of alcohol in there too, and it. It sort of changes the perspective a little bit, but they, uh, it, but it, it was, it, it was absolutely the the right move to make, and so many of those university students have now, you know, moved into, uh, into parenthood, and are now coming back and and you know and ordering some of my CDs and product online, and and of course when I when I was doing live performance, the same thing they were they were bringing their kids because ultimately. They wanted their children to have what they had when they were younger, and that so so it's like this beautiful circle of connection continued. 
so that that was one one of the best again one of the best compliments that I've I've received along the way is, is knowing that that audience was prepared to continue with me. It was very gratifying. So if people are just um, discovering you through this podcast, where's the best place for them to find you online or connect with you? Yeah, the, the, the best thing is through my website. It's fredpenner.com. There's a lot of history in there. Uh, and, and, of course, there's a store and, you know, merchandise and a little bit of that stuff. But, uh, but I haven't, I don't have much to put into it right now about, about touring dates. When COVID hit, I was in just at the beginning, you know, we'd done maybe 15 shows or so in the, as you mentioned, the Cat Came Back 40th anniversary tour was happening. And uh, we, we got as far as Edmonton and then they shut things down and, you know, I, I came back to my home here on Vancouver Island. But yeah, but but things things sort of slowed slowed down there, obviously. And I haven't been on tour for the last ten months. And I've done a few virtual gigs along the way, and uh, and and there will be more of those happening in the in the near future. Hopefully, for one later in January. I'm, I'm going to try and do something every month for the for the audience. Uh, but it's FredPenner.com is where people can can go to check in on me, and they. Uh, can also send me an email through through the the link there, and and I I I don't screen the email. They it comes directly to me, so I I could have direct communication with people if that was what they were interested in. Fantastic. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure uh, getting a chance to talk with you, and I just um, just thank you so much. Yeah, my my pleasure too, Spencer. I'm glad we worked out our little tech technical difficulties at the beginning of this, but uh, but thank you to you and uh, and the fellow who's there who's helping you with the technology and uh, to your audience. Thank you very much for uh, taking this time with me. Yeah, uh, thanks again, Fred. Be well, Spencer. Until we meet. Yeah, for sure. Take care. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Fred Penner. Wow, I can't believe that happened. (laughs) For more information on Fred and his music, go to fredpenner.com. I would like to thank Eric Alper for making this conversation happen. Did you like this episode? If so... Head over to my website, djspencer.ca, for more information about this podcast, The Tempo Report. Now, to round out this week's episode, here is the title track of Fred's latest album called Hear the Music, which features Tara Lightfoot. Have a fantastic day, my friends. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. 
I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. There's a clickety-clack as the train goes by, sound of a jet plane in the sky. A couple of dogs barking down the street, saying, Hi! How are you? When we meet, a little bird sitting on my windowsill, singing a song, what a trill. A baby and her brother laughing in the house, cats in the corner, quiet as a mouse. Oh, I hear the music. Every minute of the day, I can hear it all around me. I hear the music. Every minute of the day, I can hear it all around me. Walking to the corner or standing still, my eyes and ears never get their fill. Maybe hot and sunny or a gentle rain is tap, tap, tapping on my window pane. Cause the world is turning, I can feel the beat from the tips of my fingers to the soles of my feet. I love life and everything I do is all about the rhythm and the songs for you. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. When the sun goes down, the night gets cool. Sound is like a ripple in a swimming pool. It's a good vibration, you know, is there. Dancing right beside you as it fills the air. No matter who you are, no matter where you go, music is a part of your heart and soul. Come on, people, here's the thing. You're bound to feel better every time you sing. Oh, I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. I hear the music. Every minute of the day, I can hear it all around me. I hear the music. Every minute of the day, I can hear it all around me. I hear the music. Every minute of the day, I can hear it all around me.